Some people think little girls should be seen and not heard. One, two, three, four! People do feel very radically different about gender experience. I mean, that's just like the rules of feminism. That diversity is like the number one thing I think that has to be reckoned with. Agenda with women in the arts. You're listening to Agenda by Women in the Arts. I'm Isabel Hawthorburn. And I'm Katie Winton. Coming up on Agenda today, we're talking film clips. Clementine Ford, who has just come under fire for not taking time to answer questions from young private school boys. The Lord of the Flies remake with an all-female cast. And coming up in 15 minutes, we're going to be talking to one of the organisers of the Women's March in Washington, Tamika D. Malloy, and Brianna Butler, who is the global coordinator of the Women's March. So definitely stick around for that. Can we talk about the Clementine Ford thing first? Because I think we have pretty different opinions on this. Yeah, so back in March, schoolgirls staged a walkout on Clementine Ford um, after she refused to take questions from male students at an exclusive Aquinas <laughs> College in Melbourne. Yeah, so she blocked questions from Year 10 schoolboys and said, no, I'm only taking questions from girls. And then she received a lot of flack from angry parents. This is something that I also find really frustrating because the last thing that we need in 2017 is a lady aligning gender with feminism. I don't know. I just feel like we've kind of come further than that by now. And I feel like this blanket approach is all wrong for so many reasons. Like 15-year-old boys are the prime people to talk to about nuanced ideas around gender and inequality. And to like completely shut them out of that conversation... I don't know. I think all it's doing is alienating them even more. And they'll probably grow up to be tiki torch carrying men's rights activists. No, I completely agree. I have a 17 year old brother and I am like deeply invested in him not getting a he, tiki torch. He does really. Shout outs to Brendan though. Brendan. <laughs> Brendan does very well. In, yeah, no, he's good. In feminism. But when I initially saw this, um, actually, like, I have to backtrack on that because he like gives us a lot of flack for our particular, you know, views. Uh, but when I when I saw this, I did, um, uh, I initially thought that it was like kind of cool. So Clementine Ford said, I'm so sick of private school boys being fed everything on a, um, a silver platter, uh, on a silver plate. And I, and I really understand that, um, oh, sorry. So listen, not to everything is always listen. Not everything is about you. You don't get to speak right now. I'm pretty, and I, sorry. I'm just like reading that, but like, I understand where she's coming from. Like, I feel like that particular cohort gets a lot of airtime and it gets a lot of um, space to uh, think things through. And I kind of, I kind of see where she's coming from. It's pretty hacky to do something so gender essentialist, like saying like only girls are allowed to speak and men aren't allowed to speak. But given the history um, that, um, given the history which men have like enjoyed of like privilege and their voices have been so privileged um I think that it's like kind of an interesting thought experiment um but people and I think it's more interesting that people just completely lost the plot after this happened and parents particularly parents of daughters came through and were like oh no this is like you know unacceptable but I think that that more than but I kind of think it is unacceptable I don't know I think that they're too young to even come to terms with their privilege and there are better ways of doing that no I think like the moment you're born you start being you know no like like, you should definitely be aware of it but you don't learn about the nuanced ways in which it like affords you more in the world until you're old enough to be able to I'm not saying you shouldn't start that conversation young but I don't think what I'm saying is she's had years of having that conversation mm. she's come to a point of learning and then she's not even affording them that same learning she's kind of just saying well you didn't even get to speak in this conversation but it's like for, it was so she was paid for an hour and 15 minutes I think she got and and then they got 
she got asked more questions. She speak beyond her kind of like remit of the contract. And then she chose to use that time to answer questions by women. And it was just like, I think it was a little bit of a tongue in cheek thing. And the fact that people just like completely. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think like, people's responses to it were not the same as I think we had like my response is similar, but it's coming from a different place. I think like, I'm not saying, oh, everyone should be allowed to, I don't know. I think there are different ways of doing that, that would be able to enforce that conversation in a, in a more kind of. Yeah. And I think that that's like maybe something way. that we can talk to Tamika about. It's like, how do you engage those, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just think that. Without alienating them. But I also think like, gosh, like from the second that boys, girls, all genders enter primary school, teachers are, and this is like statistically shown that teachers treat boys as if they're better at maths and science. Oh and yeah, girls absolutely. Like they're better at art and English. And it's like, it's not completely and I mean, even, unfounded yeah. that, um, that, 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 you know, those kind of things come into play immediately. So spending 15 minutes just like practicing, you know. But I kind of just wish that she had done that in a way without being, um, without being explicit about it too. Like, I feel like there are so many ways that she could have just privileged those voices in that, in that situation without like explicitly saying, no, I'm not going to answer your questions. You know, like, wouldn't it have been so much more powerful if she'd just only spoken to young girls and like kind of flipped the stereotypical learning environment in which young boys do have the floor quite a lot, you know, like I just think. And I think that there's like a few other people that can maybe get more like speaking jobs. Like Clementine Ford is amazing. Oh God, I just wish she'd shut up a lot of the time. No, no, like I think she's done like a huge service, but at the same time, there are a lot of women of color. There are a lot of like people that could talk about feminism beyond. Yeah, I just, I don't know. She's done a great job and she still does. But there are some very, very smart people out there. Yeah, I just, getting, I, yeah. You know. I just feel like it was pretty reductive to kind of say feminism is only about girls speaking. You know, like it, but it, also like I completely agree. But I also think like given the response, I was like, oh my god, this actually this conversation still needs to happen. Like it's, yeah, and like yeah, they miss the point. But you know, there are different whatever. ways of anyway speaking. <laughs> different of ways missing to do it. the point. Um, S- Scott McGee, David Siegel. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, I got to write a new version of Lord of the Rings based on the Lord iconic... Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, just like, literally thought of Lord of the Rings with an all-female cast and it is the greatest thing I've ever... Uh, this is amazing. I'm going to be a millionaire. Uh, so they're going to um, make a Lord of the Flies based on the iconic 1954 William Golding novel, which I'm sure everyone in the entire universe has studied in Year 9. Um but what they're doing is they're exploring the um, the ideas of toxic masculinity and, and violence, but they're switching out all the boys for girls. And in the words of Roxane Gay, an all-women remake of Lord of the Flies makes no sense because the plot of that book wouldn't happen with all women. Like, it's in <laughs> the cliff notes. Like, it's like toxic, toxic masculinity is reproduced through, like, young men. It's what it's about. Yeah. And it's, like, pretty much just got, like, flamed, like immediately on Twitter. Do you think they saw Wonder Woman and were like, well, that worked. No, no, literally like someone was like, okay, so you put all these girls on an island and you get them to start a society. That is literally the beginning of Wonder Woman and it's amazing and they do a great job and no one kills each other and they start a utopian society. I don't know. I mean, there are also problematic elements of uh, Wonder Woman, but we don't have to go into it like They don't kill Piggy or Pixie or whatever it is. Like, there's no like, there's no murders. Uh, Yeah, it'll be interesting. 
this. It'll oh be interesting darling. to see how much the film's producers, who are also both men, have an understanding of female aggression. We'll uh, keep you posted on that. Yeah, cool. So excited for that. What about the film clips that, fire <laughs> that we'll be? <laughs> what about the film clips that came out of this week, though? Can oh, we start with Taylor Swift? Huge, huge. Okay, so Taylor Swift has just released a new film clip um, for her song "Look What You Made Me Do." And I think it's really important, as much as I love popular culture and, like, Taylor Swift is so just, like, ripe for just critiquing, this um, <laughs> video clip came out in the same week that um, Houston, Texas suffered one of the hugest um, hurricanes that left so many people displaced and people who have already been displaced from Hurricane Katrina. It was a horrible, horrible week for a lot of people in Texas. Um and she just released this video clip that was like all about herself and her kind of like completely constructed beef with, I mean, heaps of people, um, Kanye, Katy Perry. It was Kim just Kardashian. so pathetic. Kim Kardashian. Don't you ever come for her. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry. Can't upset the Kardashian correspondent. <laughs> I am the Kardashian correspondent. Um, but essentially it's a catalogue of her um, public feuds and without naming them, she basically like mocks and commodifies her high school like, uh, yeah yeah and they're very high school kind of public arguments but essentially it's like commodifying her beef yeah, with people and you but- kind of get this idea that it's like all these guys in it like in my head I just see when I looked at that video clip I just saw all these guys in a um a boardroom being like okay so people on twitter are saying that like I've got the receipts for this. So, like, say this. It's, like, it's so kind of, like, yeah. constructed. It's just, like, hyper... It's not self-awareness. It's, like, okay, this something is, else. Yeah, it's not self-awareness, but it's kind of an anthem about avoiding personal responsibility and turning it into a statement of empowerment. And at the end, there's, like, all these versions of her and the phone rings and she answers it and she's, like, the old Taylor can't come to the phone right now. She's dead. <laughs> you like, kind of embraces this possibility of the kind of, like, shedding your old self and imagining a world where a clean slate can ne- mean never having to say you're sorry because everything you do is just someone else's fault. Mm. Like, it, yeah, it absolutely you know, that's is. All, it's like, completely, like, omitting your responsibility. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it seems, it just seems so irresponsible and it just seems so gross given, the, like, the particular context of, like, Houston, just, like, Trump era, but it also is so indicative of, like, I think, like, Slate wrote an article about how it is, like, the archetypal Trump era anthem. And, like, when you think about Reagan, Reagan era popular culture, you don't think of, like, David Lynch. You think of Dynasty and, like, you know, that kind of thing. And that kind of, um, I think particularly for us, when we think of Trump era music and popular culture and television, we're thinking of these products that are like raising a fist to Trump. Yeah. Where in reality, when like people look back on this era, they're going to be looking at, I actually can't think of like the television that um, will be defined as like Trump era, but it's not going to be Handmaid's Tale and it's not going to be um, Atlanta or Insecure. It's going to be something... Like Taylor Swift? <laughs> like it's going to be Taylor Swift yeah. because it's like completely a, it's going to be apolitical. It's all about omitting responsibility. Yeah, and, and silence as and well. silence, yeah. exactly. Which it's is about really silence. quite yeah. terrifying. Mm. Um, also, Katy Perry just released a film clip this week for her new song, Swish Bish, which features a cameo with Nicki Minaj, which I think is kind of the best part of that song. But again, another song that was in response to Taylor Swift's uh 
2014 song Bad Blood. And she, uh, anyway, it's awful. It's like a really chaotic space jam where there's all these... I know, I feel it's, really bad. I'm very like, confused about it. I made Katie sit down and watch oh. like whatever that we- stupid Taylor Swift song <laughs> is and the Katy Perry one. And she was just like, I just want that time in my life back. Like That was please. 10 minutes of my life that I could not get back. Yeah. And I, it, it just like, there are so many good, this is the thing that happened with the VMAs where there's like so many women making and people making like really important, really beautiful um Film Video clips. clips, film clips. And then Taylor Swift is like reaching new level, like new records for breaking records for like streaming yeah. for her. Like, yeah, once again, it's a garbage fire. It's just like, it, <laughs> but it, I it's think, so yeah. pathetic. It's so like, what's it called when all those people go into a room and they like figure out a their, think tank? Think tank. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like a thing. It's like all these people just sitting around being like, so what do people say? They say that like, you know, um, Oh, like everything she said just seemed to tick boxes of like words that come up in marketing meetings or something. Luckily, it was just, like, pathetic. Yeah, I feel like we've given Taylor too much airtime. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we watched Lizzo's new film clip straight after that, uh, which is amazing. It was directed by Quinn Wilson and Aisha Ifa, and it features Lizzo along with black children, men and women, using water to regenerate their bodies. And it's like really stunning opting, optics. Uh, speaking to self-important, self-care and importance and support. And it's just also a really beautiful track. So it's so lovely. Let's play it. This is Lizzo with Water Me. Stick around because we'll be speaking to Tamika D. Mallory and Brianna uh, after this track about the Women's March on Washington. Oh, oh, oh. 
Listening to Agenda on FBI Radio. We're joined now by Tamika D. Malloroy and Brianne Butler. Um, Tamika is the national co-chair for the Women's March. Tamika is also an advocate for stronger gun restrictions, equal rights for women, and healthcare, and an ethical police conduct. An ethical police conduct. And Brianne Butler is the global coordinator of the Women's March. We're really excited to have you guys. Yeah, in. thanks so much for Thank coming you. in. Thanks for having us. Um, Tim- Tamika, how did you get involved with the Women's March? And do you have a history of activism yes, in general? Yes, I do have a um, history of activism. I've been working in the social action movement um, for almost 20 years of my life. Um, I got involved in women's in the Women's March after a woman by the name of Teresa Shook out in Hawaii sent out a uh, Facebook message, a post to about 40 of her friends that turned into about 10,000 people by the next morning saying that she thought folks should go to Washington and march uh, because Donald Trump had been elected president of the United States. Um, and I got a call because because there was a need for more women of color to be involved. Obviously, Teresa Shook was a white woman. And then understanding that 53% of white women who voted in the election voted for Donald Trump, um, there was certainly a backlash from people on the internet, black women particularly, saying, you know, how dare you all have a march now? Where was the march before this happened? And so there was a need for women of color to really get involved, to help shape the mission of what the march was going to be and, and really to make sure that the uh, the full woman, all women, were represented on January 21st. I met Brianne Butler uh, two days after the march had been announced, along with Bob Bland and several other white women. Uh, we got <laughs> together with Carmen Perez, who is uh, my uh, Latina sister. She's a Mexican-American. Um, and she and I got together with this group of women, some other people on our team, Cassie Finley, just a bunch of folks, and sat down and decided that we were going to put on this incredible day together um and you know it it's all history from there yeah and so you mentioned that you had kind of like latina women coming on board and immediately you needed to kind of redefine the women's march to like address like or like make more central the um struggles of like women of color in particular and i'm wondering like in the wake of hurricane harvey um you the women's march has kind of used its platform to educate people in the ways that they can uh, help people of color in particular in the wake of, you know, that like crisis. Yeah. And almost immediately people came up being like, everyone is suffering in Houston. Yeah. And like, you know, how much of what you're doing is kind of about re-education and how much, like particularly as a woman of color, it's like there's a lot of emotional labor that goes into just like educating mm-hmm. particularly white women given that like, you know, Ivanka, Ivanka Trump came out and was like supporting uh, like pulling back gender equality, right. uh, what's it called? Gender wage mm-hmm. inequality wage, thing. So uh-huh. it's like, mm-hmm. so like I'm wondering how much of your work is re-educating white women and how much of it is just kind of, is that not your job? Right. So, so, so <laughs> there's, it's, it's funny you say both, it's both and, mm. um, and it's not so much re-educating 
for a lot of it, it's educating for the first time. There's so many people who I'm uh, sort of coming into contact with who just didn't know. They had their blinders on. I, I certainly say, why didn't you know? I never allow people to get away with the idea that they just, they weren't involved because you should have been. It's not like it's happening across the water in another country or on another continent somewhere. It's happening right there in America, maybe a few streets down from you. There's police brutality. There's gun violence. There's all these issues, racism. But what happens is that when people actually, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? When they benefit from the oppression of other groups, they don't want to see what is there. And so now we've begun to educate people because the, everyone is like, oh, shoot, you know, we've got this horrible orange guy as the president of our country. He wants to roll back women's rights, take away health care, um, ban Muslims from coming into the country, build a stupid wall. There's already a wall there. He wants to build another wall. Just do all of these crazy things, support um, certain behavior that police officers have been using in certain communities he's been talking about all these things and people are like oh shoot what do we do now and so for me you know while Donald Trump and I tell people all the time Donald Trump is certainly a very dangerous man who is very scary for a, for most of us because we don't want racism to be the norm in our country even though it already has been we don't want it to become something we're trying to push it away and now it's coming full force again back at us. And that's not something that we want to do. We don't want to see the, the the strides that we have made, you know, in this country go backwards in any way. Um, but at the same time, Donald Trump has actually been good for some people because some people needed to wake up to the fact that there are so many people suffering in our country. And for the first time you're seeing it. And now it's like, welcome to our world. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, actually a, a really interesting point about um, you talking about how people just can't ignore it now, like it's so prevalent. And I'm wondering, um, Brianne, maybe this is a good question for you, like what the um, what you're expecting to kind of bring to an Australian audience uh, with the kind of Women's March on Washington being publicly visible at Antidote Festival on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's exciting because with Women's March, it while it started being let's all mobilize to D.C., within 24 hours we saw this turning global. And I remember getting emails from women in Australia like, don't change the date because we already bought plane tickets yeah. or like whatever yeah. else. Um, so I know that the march here in Sydney was amazing. Rebecca Turnbow, who was one of the lead organizers, helped uh, spearhead that. Um, we had Abitonia as well on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, like, exactly. They're amazing women. So it's, it's important to just create that uh, – create that platform mm -hmm. for centering especially the women in Australia like the indigenous women for instance they're under such uh, the whole community's under such a massive attack right now and we're not talking about it enough um, obviously the equality what's happening around there um, it, it's becoming just everyone is definitely making this a focal point to be talking about it. You're seeing signs on the street just in the time I've been here, just a few hours, people are talking about it, which is the first step. But how do you keep that momentum going? Mm -hmm. And it's these grassroots organizations that are going to help to make that happen. Uh, it's also making sure that we continue to center women of color and that we continue to center uh, marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it seems like um, that's something people were quite um, 
uh, kind of skeptical of the the reach that the women's march would have but it seems like even in the last week like you've been really critical of like the um pulling back of daca 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 and um and things like that being like we're going to come for you if you like pull this back then Sorry, like, can we talk make about do you yeah, mind talking about that for we're very supportive of the immigrant i'm sorry we're very supportive of the immigrant community within women's march you have many people um uh, who are immigrants and um you know daca obviously the rollback of daca will expose them and potentially have people deported in our country losing all of the benefits that uh the previous administration put in place and so, you know, having our president today, I heard he was like on TV talking about how much he loves people. He loves immigrants. He loves everyone. But yet he wants to threaten their lives by, you know, taking away such an important piece of uh, protection. Um, and so we as Women's March have been saying, take your hands off DACA, you know, stay away from people's rights. Stop trying to turn this country into a place that is a disaster for everyone. Um, and I think that, as Brienne said, centering women of color people of color is so important because I always I often make this sort of use this analogy that if your body has cancer in it all over you're sick and but your arm is hurting and you take something that only deals with the arm you're gonna die anyway you have to get rid of the cancer in the body and the cancer in the body is infecting poor communities communities of color when you straighten out those communities and put your resources in those areas the rest of the body will heal but it is not okay to just deal with certain pieces that you think are most Mm -hmm. beneficial Mm -hmm. to you you have to take care of the entire body and so that's what the women's march is about and sometimes people get frustrated because it's like well how come all of us are not being cared for and I saw on Instagram this great image in terms of um, Hurricane Harvey where they said well you know Houston's in trouble Mm. but all cities are in trouble yeah Yeah, but Houston is the one in trouble right now and so that's what we when we say black lives matter when we say brown (laughs) lives matter that's what we mean it doesn't mean that everyone else does not matter as well it doesn't mean that white women are not important it just means that people of color have been down for so long it's going to take an extra hand up to get us on the same level footing with everyone else Tamika and Brianne, thank you so much for coming in thank to talk you. to thank us you. today. Thank you so much. You You're... guys are so cool here. <laughs> cool. You've never been to the FBI studios. It's super cool. You it's not like fast. the FBI in America. I know. At first like, I was like, FBI radio. Uh-oh. Have <laughs> <laughs> we been set up? <laughs> you can catch Tamika in conversation about the Women's March on Washington tomorrow yeah, at Antidote Festival. Antidote, that's right. Tickets are still available. We'll pop a link up uh, online to where you can grab them. We're going to leave you with this track from Satsuma. It's called Crescent. Stick around for Back Shot Up next. Superman Is it moving closer Or is it an illusion